Hi, my name is Stevie Ray Causey. And I'm Gretchen S.B. And you're listening to Exceptionally Average Authors Explain It All. Where two exceptionally average authors talk about stuff. Oh, that's good coffee. What I really want to know, Stevie, is if snow is a universal derailer of life or if it's just in our neck of the woods where it only snows once or twice a year. Because yesterday I I had to fight to get that serialized chapter done, but my husband suggested that we go play in the snow with the dog and I like was ready to drop everything and play in the snow with the dog as an adult. Does everybody feel like this? Or is it just those of us that, like, don't get snow very often? I, well, my sister-in-law lives in Colorado, and she's so sick of the snow. So I do think <laughs> that some of it has to do with, like... Novelty? Not, yeah, novelty or, like, not being overburdened by it. Because, you know, pizza's great unless you're eating pizza for every meal at our age and then you're sick. You know, yeah. kind of deal? So I think as you get older more more is not more more is like less <laughs> yeah that's, but that's a good point at the same time as long as i have a place to warm up in between i'll go out there all day <laughs> um i don't know if you saw my videos but my kids were pushing each other down down the hill in a wagon <laughs> um, i had the the teenager was like pelting they were having a, a snowball fight but my four-year-old's into like plants versus zombies. So the teenager was acting as a pea shooter by using oh. a shovel to scoop snow and chuck it at the four-year-old while he ran. Because Cute. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's videos. You should look at it. So yeah, we had a great time. And even at work, my husband, my husband drove to Seattle. He drives a truck for a lumber yard. It was nine inches of snow. Like his little his little commuter car almost didn't make it out of the parking lot. And they left early that day. <laughs> But right as they were closing, they're because they're like, we're bored. We want to go play in the snow, right? Let's go home early. Yeah. And my husband's like, okay. So they're locking up and he goes, wait, guys, I got to go do one more thing. It's really important. And he runs up to the truck and he climbs into the back of the flatbed and he makes a snow angel. <laughs> and then he realizes, and then he realizes that he doesn't have his phone to take a picture and he's like super disappointed, but he didn't want to be like the really important thing was a snow angel. Can you come take a photo? So he just leaves it, you know, in the truck. There's a snow angel. So I think there is a certain amount of magic to having this much snow in the Pacific mm-hmm. Northwest. Yeah, we have, I think it's over a foot of snow right now on the ground, yeah. at least in the valley. And it, it- happened all in one day. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I was so excited. We've got, yeah. you know, we're going to do sculptures and I, I hate being cold. It's really hard for me to warm back up with my autoimmune stuff. But now that my kids are older and I don't have to manage as much of their comfort, mm-hmm. it is a lot more pleasant to go out more than one time. And I am only regretting that I accidentally broke the sled the last time it snowed <laughs> because I don't have a sled right now. And when I broke it valiantly. It was a little plastic slider sled and we have a driveway that is like a very steep hill into a wall and another hill in our yard that we can like start from. So you're going down two hills and I took it down like it was a a snowboard Mm -hmm. and I'm not a small person and I took it down like all the way down, all the way down um, and broke it almost in half. And then we duct taped it back together so we could play with it for the rest of the day. But then we never bought a new one. (laughs) So my only real regret is that I don't have a sled. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I... My husband went into work today and he texted me to let me know he and the dog got, got to work okay. He's like, we got here okay. Because he works in retail and the mm -hmm. people that manage, yeah, the property management company for his parking lot mm -hmm. don't believe in paying to have the, they don't believe in having the parking lot plowed. Okay. So what ends up happening is that you have people, you know, my husband and his boss, the people in the the physical therapy center and there's one other who are shoveling out places for people to park and shoveling out the driveway to yeah. the like u-shaped strip mall because otherwise no one would be able to get to work and no one would be able to get into the parking lot and this happens every year like yeah the, they're across the street from another similar size strip mall and that place is completely plowed but they're owned by they're run by two different companies and like it it drives everyone in that parking lot nuts mm -hmm. because there was one time a snowplow came in and everyone got really excited but it turns out that they were plowing the other parking lot and they came in to get Azelle's chicken and left yeah. <laughs> everyone was so upset like everyone I spoke to uh because that was where my physical therapy was when I broke my leg mm -hmm. uh they they all knew about it. They were like, oh, that was such a disappointing day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But that's what that's what we were up to yesterday. As I, I still got the chapter done. We came inside and my husband, you know, I go, oh, I have so much time to get it done. And he goes, you have to get it done, Gretchen. You cannot use the excuse. And I go, can we watch a movie if I finish it? And he's like, yes, we can watch a movie, but only if you finish your chapter in time. And I was like, okay. So I've still been working on that serialized story. And it's funny because the Jas Bond books that I'm working on are really succinct. You know, I'm trying to keep them at 18,000 words. But the right. way this serialized story works is the longer it is, the better. So I have more meandering story plots through it. My language is a little... It's, I take longer to say things than I normally would. And I'm normally not very succinct but I stretch things out so that you can get that word count in. Cause the longer it is, the more you make in the long run. And right. it's, it's a struggle to go from being succinct, 18,000 word complete story to really flowy and long. Oh, I am, I am struggling with it. <laughs> <laughs> I am definitely challenging myself which is both fun and exhausting so what what have you been up to <laughs> a lot of nothing is what it feels like um but that's because I'm kind of in that in-betweening process King's Prisoner hasn't gotten a whole lot of attention lately but I redid my schedule to include my new definition of productivity, which is not that I, in my head, when I set up, like, how do you be successful at this? And how with limited resources for advertising and stuff, because, you know, we, we all can do what we all can do. And there's an infinite world of possibilities, but it's easier to reach that infinite world of possibilities if you start with 20 grand in advertising than if you start with nothing. And most of us are starting with nothing or, or a little bit more than nothing. So I started um, working on really my myself, my own. Am I practicing what I what I preach to our listeners? Am I taking care of myself? Am I evaluating my productivity? Do I feel good in my workspace? 
And so everything I'm doing is in betweening with that. And I've decided that instead of just trying to like knock out an entire series, I'm going to start writing a book and then writing a short in between each one. It's like a palate cleanser, like we were talking about earlier. Um, so a lot of my work has been re rewriting my calendar again. We all know I do this. Some days I do it four times in that same day to find where my personal rhythm is because I can't be productive if I'm not me. And I want to be me productive, not a content machine. Yeah, so, I think we uh, mentioned that in the last episode that you have to know what productivity is for you specifically right. before and, you start worrying about productivity. Yeah, and so I am. it's not that I'm not writing. I'm still working on the edits for Quarantine with the Beast. I'm still, and that's almost done. It's like so close. And I am still working on the Persephone retelling and I'm still visiting my characters in my head, but I'm not worrying about the word count. I'm worrying about feeling confident when I sit down to do it. And so a lot of that for me is falling back in love with stories, setting up my office to be a space I want to be. I'm no longer looking at, and this is, I'm, I haven't talked about this before, but I feel like probably most of us at least start here, mm-hmm. even if we are as Wei said, you know, audacious enough to write a book and publish it in the best in the best form of that word, you know. We still struggle to see art as a valid productive thing unless we're making a lot of money off of it or a lot of, you know, publishing a lot in yeah. a year and so much of our industry where we were moving away from that, we're trapped in it again and we're hurting ourselves. And some of that is the system around us, but we don't have to, we don't have to like consent to that. And so I'm trying to, to recenter and find myself as an artist and fall in love with, with stories, fall in love with the feelings that I have when I have, when I read and write stories. And that's kind of where I'm in. You're doing uh, a, a hard reboot. Yeah. A hard, like a hard reboot too. And, and I like when it, when it reboots and it asks if it wants to go into safety mode, I'm going to say no. And I'm going to manually reset the whole thing. <laughs> like, I do not want safety mode. I want the mode where I walk into my office and I'm so happy to start my day. Yeah. And and I found that it's not my it's not my work that's the problem. It's my permission to myself to take myself seriously. To know that even though I'm going to make a loss this year, I'm still going to buy the desk that makes it so that I can use this space in all of the ways I need to use the space because when I'm here for some of the more personal stuff I'm doing and I'm looking at my work I'm feeling bad about being in the room so my desk folds up now into a box like it's really cool and when I'm not working that's where it stays and I know that I'm in another mode you're setting the stage to do the work I am I'm setting I am I am setting the stage and I'm and I'm bringing in a, a team too for it. So I'm also decorating my office with like books that I admire, whether it's because the stories are beautiful or the art is beautiful. So I've been really attacking that, especially after Cache's interview, because I find her just so inspirational. And I think that she is one of the most productive people I've met. She does things across a wide variety of things, like genre wise and artistry wise and advocacy wise. She hasn't published a book yet. And so in some circles, you might encounter, like, if I go, this is one of the most productive artists and authors that I know, they'd be like, well, prove it. And that's what I want to move away from is like, that part of the industry where where productivity 
is synonymous with becoming that content machine. That's mm-hmm. not, I am a bard. I am not, you don't put a quarter in me and ask for a fortune, you know? Mm-hmm. You give me wine while I sing you a song. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's, that that's what I want. And I want to have that feeling about myself first. And I think that that can only help my productivity. I think that Cache had the same kind of experience with, with herself too and the tools that she used. Yeah, I think that there's two distinct camps in in authoring and that's one is the production machine you know you need Mm -hmm. to write to market you need to write relatively quickly so you don't lose your audience which you know are both valid and really good advice they're not necessarily true yeah it's just it 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 all depends on like your genre and how you can write and like yeah publishing books so that you're publishing something once a month is phenomenal go team you but if you can't sustain that you shouldn't be attempting it because you're going to burn out and be discouraged and you need to move at a different pace yeah you'll find success slower and maybe you won't be as successful as the people that do but you can't like, do something yeah but what does success enough. even mean in that instance because i could have all the money coming in and but i won't lie that'd be great that would probably give me the opportunity to have the success I want. Yeah. Because it would, you know, lift the burden of the financial mm-hmm. side of things, which we, you know, we're in, you and I are in this for the long run. I think that several of the things that you mentioned are really cool to touch on, not only as, you know, finding productivity for you and how Cache's productivity is across a wide range of stuff, because you know, you and I have the that same thing. Like I'm productive and some days I'm working 12 hours at my day job and I get no writing done, but I get a lot of work done. Making meals is productive. You you have yeah. to that feeding your mind. body is productive. Rest mm-hmm. is productive. Therapy is productive. Yeah. Every <laughs> everything can be productive and you need to keep that in mind instead yeah. of just concentrating on I am not productive in this one aspect of my life. And it, it is a very hard lesson and I get it because I want to write full-time. I want it to be my full-time job, but you know, it might never happen and it's okay if it never happens, but that doesn't mean that, you know, there's that little voice in my head going, Meh, you know, thinking that I'm yeah, just you're not- an imposter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I get the scene from a uh, princess bride. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I think that you touched on some, some interesting things about productivity that that I wanted to to touch on again and that's the whole setting the stage and building yourself a toolbox of things that help you with productivity because sitting down at your laptop your notebook whatever it is typewriter you know Mm -hmm. however it is that you write and just writing isn't always something that works and something that Cache mentioned in her interview last episode that made me laugh was she talks about specific candles that help her write and anyone who's followed me for you know any length of time like a long length of time knows that for the longest time I only wrote when like when I got stuck writing when I got writer's block I had to burn this very specific bath and body works candle Mm -hmm. and it was the only way I could be productive but then they discontinued that candle (laughs) and so I then expanded into the different different scents that I would burn when I'm writing. And if I'm in here burning a candle, either the power is out or, you know, I'm trying to struggle through writer's block. And 
So I have a, a giant collection of candles and my husband knows that this is something I do. So if he walks by them in the store and is like, oh, by the way, they've got a sale going. Do we need to get more candles? You know, that's excellent. It's you have to know what tools help set you up for success, too. You can't just sit down and expect right. to be able to get the words done. You have to have your office set up the way you need it. Like you're mentioning, I have to have candles. I have to have post-it notes. I have to have a schedule. Because if I don't have everything planned out, even though I redo it like multiple times, like I redo my two week schedule every week because I'm rarely on point. Oh, yeah. No, I'm never on point. I have multiple calendars and yeah. it's just a suggestion. <laughs> if I don't have a to do list and a calendar and all that. I, I feel the urge to get it done. And it's just like with the post it notes, I'm most productive when I can write a post, something on a post it note that occurs to me, slap it on the wall even though it doesn't always stick, and then move past it. I'm not as productive if I can't do those things. And I had right. to build that toolbox over years and years and years. Of and all it changes of those too. Like, I don't know about you, but by age, by like what's going on in the world, by where my mental state is, by what character I'm addressing, you have to be ready. Like it has to be a versatile box. Like I yeah. need things, but also what else can I have? Like if I'm writing... Well, I use playlists a lot, actually. It's kind of the same way that you use candles. If I am reading, it is classical music, but I build playlists for my characters as I'm learning how they are. Mm -hmm. And then once I have a firm grip, you know, about if it's a book about 10,000 words into it, then I start to shuffle the most important songs for each character into a compilation for that story. And I only listen to those songs when I'm writing that story. Or when I'm brainstorming. So if I'm like, oh, I need to work, but I also need to do dishes, I'll play the playlist and think about it while I'm doing the dishes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's like those very like, everyone says sit down and do the words. And yeah, button chair is 100% the way you're going to do it if you're a button chair person. Yeah, no one ever talks about my butt's in the chair, but I'm also working with, I, I use a lot of fidget. mm -hmm. fidgets. I have um, different chairs that I move to. It, because if I'm stagnant too long, you get that feeling of just like dread and everything seems so heavy. Mm -hmm. It's like the, the, when you're waiting for the last 15 minutes before recess and you're just, yeah. it's that feeling. So I need to get up and move and remind myself that I'm free to exit at any point. The first thing I do, it's so funny because you were talking about, you don't do like your calendars don't stay the same. Your to-do lists don't stay the same. I start out and this is new. This is just this week with a done list because by the time I get to my desk I've done so many things in the day but I always feel like because you're starting writing none of the things you've done you know maybe maybe all of the things you've done depending on your but for me often by the time I sit down to write I've done so many other things but I feel like I've done nothing because I haven't done the thing I've been thinking about all day so I'll sit down and I'll I will write like these are the things I have done already. I fed my kids. I got them off to school. I let the rabbits out. I let the dogs out. I made sure they were fed. I started laundry. I made a doctor's appointment. It's 10 a.m. It's time to write. <laughs> and then I might write one or two more things that I'm about to do that I want to have completed. But because of the way that my attention works, I'll probably have done 13 other things that weren't on the list before. Where I do those two things. And so I'll cross off like, oh man, I've only done one of these two things and I'll cross it off and then I'll make another done list. Like in this hour and a half that I was distracted, I made an ad for this. I made an ad for that. I did new ad copy and I'll write all those down and I can see how I'm functioning as a business that, yeah. that way on the paper. And it makes me go like, okay, all of these other things 
are taken care of so I can let them go and I can give myself my tens with the timer, my 10 and 10 and 10s. So that's what I do after my done list. But it's so, that distraction piece is so strong for me that I found like if I'm writing and I need to take a brain break and I'm like okay for my brain break I'm just gonna take a look at how my ads are doing I'm not gonna make any new ones I just want to know how many clicks per day am I getting on average Mm -hmm. based on compared to last month um but if I start opening up a a calculator on my computer or my phone it's over I'm now on so I actually bought myself like an old timey old timey like the big ones that you have in an office calculator um, and it's bright yellow yeah, it's bright yellow and it's like it keeps my attention. I, I know what I'm doing when I have this out and it has cut my checking in on things financially time in like half just to have a calculator out instead of opening it. That's the same reason some days I will not have my phone on me if I'm in the den so I can concentrate on work work and not be distracted. And then the then I can concentrate on writing and author work without being yes. distracted. And it does mean that I mix te- I miss text messages and stuff. <laughs> then people right. are like, I messaged you hours ago. And I'm like, eh. But, see, yeah. see, I have, because of, you know, the kids and stuff, I tend to have to have mine on me because they're mm-hmm. homeschooling at the same time. And they won't come bug me, but they will send me, like, a Facebook message. Hey, I need help with my math. Yeah. But the way that... I circumvented that same kind of thing as I got one of those covers that's also a wallet for my phone so I can close it and not look at the screen. And that way I'm only looking at it if I hear it go off. Yeah. And usually no one's talking to me unless it's my kids, you know. How cool. It's so interesting that we have like different different techniques for similar struggles. Yeah. Well, I think that setting up your your process and how, you know, whether it's, it's like cachet where she has to smell a candle. And if it's, she thinks about writing when she's smelling it, then she buys it. You have to, you know, guess and check and find out what tools go best in your toolbox. Like I know that if I'm really struggling with a scene, I will turn off my dictation software. If I don't walk away completely, I'll turn off the dictation. I will put on a playlist of music I have a specific writing playlist and I typewrite. Like I, you know, write with my fingers and not yeah. words. And Give your brain a different, we're doing yeah. something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's how I, like, that's how, you know, if I'm walking by and that's happening, that I'm really struggling is if the music is going, if there's a candle going too, then like I'm really struggling. You know, it's all these fail safes that I have in in my toolkit. And I think that when you're writing, you know, if you have a story you want to write and then you publish it and you're done and you never want to do it again, that's totally cool, you know, more power to you. But if if you're wanting to write more long-term or a really long story or something like that, you, you have to know the process that you specifically need to get that writing done. And I think that that's something that gets stumbled upon you know like people stumble on it when they're trying to get that productivity because all they're focusing on is i need to get x number of words or i need to get x number of chapters done and they're not thinking about the fact that i need to set the stage i need to open up my toolkit and i need to see what's going to help me get that done first and that takes years to put together and i know that at least i was going to say yeah if you if you don't approach it from the beginning at those of us who are taking the productivity route and then going, ah, that almost like hurt me a lot. <laughs> Just reflecting on it. 
on my time as my my old lady brain. <sighs> You're younger than me, Stevie. Listen, I'm haggard. Okay. <laughs> But I think that that's something that people definitely struggle with when they're like, oh, you know, I I did two anthology, short story anthologies with friends of mine, like real world friends of mine that write, Mm -hmm. but had not published. And so I spearheaded it. And that was difficult for a multitude of reasons. But I think that one of the things I didn't grasp at the time was that, you know, I I wanted to be able to tell these people, okay, you have, you know, five months, get your 10,000 word story out. I didn't know, like I didn't realize that there is a process that everyone has to go through in order to become productive. And until people find that process for themselves, mm-hmm. like I, I can't just expect them to, to get that done. And, right. you know, like, I know now, but three, four years ago, four years ago, oh, I didn't put two and two together. And so it, it takes a long time until you reach that process of, okay, this is the best way for me to get this done. And like, so, so much of that is a self-acceptance and a self like compassion thing and I think that might be part of why we all struggle with it so much is because we don't we don't learn self-compassion when when it comes to work we definitely don't learn self-compassion when it comes to our artistry which again when we talk about cachet one of her her blog is respect my artistry and oh like I know, I know all these things and I'm learning to implement them and but hearing her talk about it like there's a difference between knowing you have to do it and like knowing, you know, yeah. and I just ugh, I'm in I am in awe of people who have gone through that journey with their communities, with themselves, with their art and come out going, you know, I am the vessel for this story. And like I would be kinder to a hardback version of this story than I would be to myself. Why? You know, you you are the original collector's edition of the story you are telling and you had be- <laughs> you had better set up your space the way that a collector's edition deserves to be set up. Yeah. So that was, that's my words yeah, of wisdom I, on that. Yeah, I struggled with it for a long time because I have always, always been a natural storyteller. Like I, you, you'll see elementary school projects of mine where you had to write a story or you had to do this and there'll be all these kids that were like, and then I sat on the seesaw, you know, and then you have my stories and they were just pretty fanciful, even when they were rooted in the real world. And when I do acting, you know, classes and you had to create a character, my characters were always the most out there, you know, and would have the most 3D picture of them because I've, I'm a natural born storyteller, but it's, you know, the, I just want to tell you the story. I want to get it done. I want to tell you the whole thing and then be done with it which, you know, goes back to the whole why I don't plot, because then I've told myself the story and I don't need to finish it. But part of that storytelling process is, you know, I've I've built it in. I have to be in the den, surrounded by all the books and my stick it notes and all of my toolkit is in this room because it has to be like the storytelling has to happen here. And I think that you know, if people pick up anything from our productivity series of episodes, it's that you judge what's productive for you. You have to figure it out. You have to put in the work to figure that out. You can't just go based on what other people are doing simply because it it's probably not going to work for you. And you can't just 
skip the step and expect to be at whatever you've decided is the level of success. You have to build that toolkit. You have to go up all those stairs to figure it out. And this is the most probably labor intensive process of writing is because the first time you hit writer's block, you're going to feel so defeated. And if you haven't put in the work to, you know, figure out how to get through that, it's going to devastate you. And like, I speak from experience because the first time I hit writer's block, I was super upset. I was like six books into my writing career. <laughs> and I was like, I, I was lost. Like I was so upset. And I spend more time blocked than I spend writing. It's so funny how we're different. Oh, writer's block. What a familiar stuck feeling. <laughs> I I am devastated by writer's block because my life is just telling people's stories. <laughs> and like, I think that that's what I would hope and, you know, elaborate if I'm wrong, Stevie. But I, I think that that's what people need to take away from this is that productivity and your process are very intertwined and they are incredibly important because your process will not be like anyone else's process. You have right. to figure out what works best for you. And this isn't a, you know, mental health checkup, figure out what's best for you. That is a completely different thing. Like your process, your brain works differently. And if you aren't doing it the way your brain needs, you will not get it done or you won't be able to do it in the long run. That's just like, yeah. Yeah, I you're did. preaching you're preaching to the choir over here. I'm I sitting know. over here in like autistic corner going, yes, that this is true. Everyone's neurology is different. <laughs> and if you will burn out. I this is yeah, true facts I can confirm. Yeah. And I, and actually I was also thinking you and I are talking about, you know, buckling down in our rooms and making them perfect. You know, it's really funny. Speaking of everyone's process being different as my high schooler struggled. I gave them space in their room and mm -hmm. I, you know, cause that's for me and they struggled really hard last semester. This semester they've chosen to do all of their classes at the kitchen table in the middle of all of the chaos. And they're like, they're not missing any assignments. They're turning mm -hmm. in all the, they're making, yeah, the chaos works for that kid. Otherwise, they get too comfortable and complacent. They stop paying attention. And that was their own thing that they found. They were like, can I do it here? And I was like, are you sure that's not going to be distracting? Like, that would drive me. Well, I've, I've written lots of books from that kitchen table. I know, you know, the, yeah. the gig. This is the first time I've had an office. And so for me, that just sounded horrific. But for them, it was extremely successful. And we're having a great semester. So, you know, nothing, nothing that... Gretchen and I say, if it doesn't vibe with you, please just like toss it out the window and find your own thing. Oh, Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. But also like, I'm super curious what our, our listeners do. I really want to hear like, what's your, what's in your toolbox? What's the most unique thing in your toolbox? What's the most you thing that's in your mm -hmm. toolbox? Yeah. So all of you, I, I hear you at, at UW and you know, Sarah's daughter, wherever you are, somebody tell me something. <laughs> I'm calling yeah. Oh, specifically. <laughs> and the like the process is a very it's a very weird thing. I mean, process happens, you know, how you set up your stage. Process is for me sometimes if I'm writing a character that I don't relate to, I have to go search out people that relate to that character and talk to them. Because if I don't have that information, I can't write an authentic character. And especially if you're doing a character that is not anything that's in your world experience. There's a a big responsibility that goes with that. Yeah, I was really nervous about it. I actually interviewed two friends of mine who work at the UW with me. 
And I basically just flat out asked them, what would you do in this really uncomfortable scenario? And watched them flounder and panic before answering me. Like you watched their anxiety just ratchet in front of me. But that's all part of the... the so you problem. hurt people as part of your research. Yes, I yes. I Levin, injured my me friend. not to sign up. Like I'm a cruelty-free... No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> Do not let me participate. I say but no. That's part of the Wait, process, I, though. I mean, depending on what superpowers I get. I mean, that's that's part of the writing process, though, is that, you know, my process is I have to, if I'm writing a character that I can't relate to, I don't have enough information on, I have to make sure I have that before I start, because otherwise they morph into some, like, generic character and nobody. Oh, no, yeah, you definitely don't want yeah. to do. You want just enough character to give them someone to love and just enough blankness to give them someone to project onto. I think this has been a super hearty episode. All right. So, well, we're wrapping up. What do you recommend, Gretchen? Okay. I have a weird book recommendation okay. for today. And it's weird because I don't think it comes in any form other than audiobook. It's on the Audible app. I don't know if it's anywhere else. I think it's an Audible original. It's called The Tea Shop. And okay. it is a 45-minute story. It's the, the Tea Shop by Josie Adams. And it is basically a sleep story. And the whole premise of this story is that there's a woman. I think she's in England. She gets up. She goes to work and she opens the tea shop. But her opening is like she feeds the, the shop cat who apparently lives at the shop at night, which makes no sense to me. She picks out her tea for the morning, but she goes off on tangents about like the, the tea she's picking and how it's from India. And then she goes off about India and like it's 45 minutes and I've only listened to it all the way through once when I had trouble sleeping. But if I'm like having trouble sleeping, I listen to the tea shop now and I am usually out within maybe 15 to 20 minutes of the story which is weird for a book recommendation but that's my recommendation this week is is the audible original the tea shop by josie adams because it does what it is set out to do very very well what, what about you stevie what's your recommendation for this week i'm really excited my recommendation is that called maya it's part of, I think, maybe a series, His Majesty's Elite by Missy Sheldrake. And it is about a half-siren girl. The One of the things that drew me in besides the art, because it is obviously very, like, it reminds me of Hook, almost. Like, it, if Peter Pan and The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe had a baby, that aesthetic is what the cover gave me. And it says your voice is your power, which is cool because she's half siren. And also because you know how I love those arcs of like reclaiming your power. Uh -huh. She's an aspiring minstrel and it looks like she might, there's like pirates and stuff involved. She never imagined Pa's latest scheme would have her tangling with thieves, sailing across the sea with pirates, kissing a prince, meeting the foxy elf of her dreams, literally, and dodging the grasp of the most dangerous sorcerer. Yeah, I'm excited. And it's an indie author. And she is also, she also does like the illustrations. Mm. 
And so I am very, very excited to see. I'm looking at pictures of it while we're talking because I'm excited about how pretty it is um, <laughs> in the hardback. The fox elf is on the back of the hardback and it says, I heard your song from across the leagues of dreaming. It hastened my feet to run to you to see if your beauty matched that of your voice. And I'm just like, it has pirates, it has fae, it has like the power of a young girl's voice. I am here for it. Yeah, it sounds like it could be very good. Yeah, I feel like, it, oh, it's like, I like the hope. Hope arcs. I like redemption mm-hmm. arcs. I like flawed humanity and the way that relationships help and hinder us. So it sounds right up my alley. It does. Well, that does us for this episode. Please tune in next time. Until then, guys, happy reading. Have a good time. <laughs>